Hi, and welcome back to the Dial Podcast. This is Jake Vondering. I'm here with Lance freaking Hepler. Lance freaking Hepler. <laughs> Do we roll with that? <laughs> Shut up and sit down. I'd like to introduce you to a podcast with a lot of charm, talent, and wit. Unfortunately, I don't have that option, so instead, you are listening to the Dialed Podcast with Matt Lee Grand, Evan Price, Lance Hepler, and Jake Von During. Tip of the day, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step that said, you know what you've got to do, so go get her done. I got fancy little streamers coming out of my handlebars. I got cards in my spokes that make sounds as it flies the cars. I got lights all around and reflectors in the back. I basket on the front that are really useful. But I hate cyclists, bike riders, people who ride bicycles. Does someone need a hug? Hi, welcome back to the Dial Podcast. I'm Jake Vondering, and I'm here with Lance Friggin' Hepler. Lance Friggin' Hepler. Welcome to the show. There's going to be a lot of friggin' today. There's going to be a lot of, yeah, it's just the two of us. Just the two of us. We can make it if we try. (laughs) Hey, where's Matt? Matt is going to a swim meet in Eugene because he's a good parent. Uh, You and I don't like our children. <laughs> oh, you know he's strapping on the speedo though, and he's gonna get in the pool. And he's gonna get after it with those kids, do a little swimming himself. Uh, probably, Mister like Masters. Yeah. Uh, where's Dylan? I thought I thought you guys said he was like on the podcast I, now, or we? I want him to be regular. He should be regular. He should be our substitute, Evan, from now on. I don't know. <laughs> we didn't even ask. We. It's been a busy week. It both got away from both of us. We finally decided, oh, man, it's Friday. We've got to record this. Nah. And so it's just the two of us are getting together. No so. joke, Lance. I woke up this morning. I thought it was Thursday. <laughs> it was one it's of those weeks. Funnier. I, I have not been able to keep up with this week. It's just yeah. been bonkers. But anyway, it's just the two of us, so it's all good. It's all good. Cool. Hey, on that note, why don't you start backpilling? Backpedaling. Okay, so last week I did. I'm I'm still riding every day, almost. It's it's been a lot of fun. Last Saturday we had a team gravel ride out in Scapoose, Oregon. What a great name, Scapoose. That is. When the first time I heard that, I'm like, that's really a place. It's Scapoose. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we uh, we there was like ten of us that showed up, and we it was kind of rainy and nasty, and it didn't look like it was going to be all that nice. And but we all we had agreed to be there, so we decided what the heck we're gonna do this. So we start riding and uh, we ride to the top of what is it, Smoke Branch or Bacona or I don't know, whatever. Regardless, we start with like a five mile climb, and sure enough, as we get near the top of this climb, it starts snowing. It had been raining the whole time, it started snowing, and it was like ugly snow and so we we finally of course i'm one of the last ones to get to the top of the climb um because that's what i do i climb slow and uh we get up there and there's like an inch of snow on the ground and we all kind of gather and we're like uh what are we doing are we gonna keep going i was fully prepared just to keep going on but we were gonna have to drop down and back in the valley and then climb back up to that level again and everybody said, no, I'm too cold. I'm too wet. We're not going to ride in the snow. Forget this. Was it pretty squirrely? No, it no. wasn't. It wasn't that squirrely. So um, we bombed back down this gravel descent that had snow on it half it. Oh, maybe I did. Um, maybe me and Surratt both got in the top 10, even though it was snowy on the descent. <laughs> so I'm still not smart. So, <laughs> so. We bomb back down. We get back to the car. We're only like 20 miles in, and a couple people bailed from there. Like, nope, too cold, too wet, I'm done. But we weren't far from the Crown Zellerback Trail, which is a quasi-paved trail. It's a rail-to-trail uh, conversion. Sure. Which is also out of Scapoose. It's just, it was just like four miles down the road. 
And so we went down and hammered up that thing and back down for a while. So I still ended up riding like 40 miles and on gravel and nice. with my teammates. And so that was super fun. I enjoyed that. Um, then I did a three freaking hour Zwift ride like the next day because it was wet again. And I just was not having it. I didn't want to go back out. I don't blame you. <laughs> um, I've done all my other workouts this week on the uh, on the trainer, trainer yep. except for Wednesday night. There was a Wednesday night gravel ride uh, because it was dry, and so David Barna says, "Hey, we're going to do a gravel ride." And so I thought, "Okay, I'll show up." So, <laughs> so I. Oh the, wait, I think I read a little <laughs> excerpt about this. I totally. I was a complete. <laughs> ass hat on this ride <laughs> it's completely my fault so the ride was listed at 6 p.m i thought it was 6 30 so well not for nothing yeah. it originally was wasn't it it originally posted at 6 30 i never i never like agreed i never like said i'm in on the ride and so i didn't get a notification at the time it changed from 6 30 to oh, 6 gotcha but i i had texted david and said hey i think i'm coming i'm i'm in the middle of running errands but i think i can make it and he's like you know it was supposed to start at, this was like 6.20. And he's like, you know, it was supposed to start at 6. And I'm like, oh my God. Was it 6 or 6.15? Because we usually would launch that right at 6.15. It's 6. 6, okay. Yeah. And so, uh, anyway, he waited for me. Mm -hmm. There was only three of us that ended up being on the ride. Just Tom Counts and David Barna and myself. They waited a half an hour freezing for me to finally oh, show geez. up. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's, I'm so sorry. So what did you do when you showed up, Lance? So... so <laughs> There's only three of us, so there's really no regrouping. We're not going to really regroup because there's only three of us. We, <laughs> The three of us are pretty evenly matched. We can kind of stay each other. Sure. You stay with each other. But um, I got halfway up the first short climb in the park, and um, I started gapping the guys, and 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 I, I just kept gapping I and just, gapping some I, more. And I just drilled it. All the way out to the... Uh... <laughs> all the way out to the dike. So I never stopped. I got all the way through the park. I turn around. I see they're like 20 seconds behind me. And yeah. I thought, and like I could cross the road safely. And I'm like, I'm just going to go. I'm going to see how far I can get ahead of them. Ah. And so I just drill it all the way. I, I go all the way through, you know, along the, the waterfront. And I get to the dike and I turn around and I've got a minute gap on them. Wow. I've put it. Uh, usually during that technical stuff, I gap most everybody. I, I tend to gain a little bit of ground. But sure. This for whatever Wednesday night, I got like a full minute ahead. We hit the dike. It's a ten mile headwind, block headwind, oh, right geez. in our face. Yeah. And so <laughs> I thought, okay, I'm gonna see if I can hold them off. So it's four and a half miles. What is it? Four and a half. It's miles? about four and a half miles. Four and a half miles all the way to the end, and I just put my head down and my heart rate pegged. And just held 300 watts for as long as I possibly could <laughs> to see if I could hold them off. And Barna caught me. He caught you? With like 20 meters to go. He came around you 20 meters? He came meters. around me. <laughs> they put, I, I put, I was a minute and 10 seconds up on them when we hit the dike. Yeah. And the two of them working together were able to get close enough that Barna caught me. So Wow. Well, Tom's a diesel too. He's Tom's a diesel. Gosh, that guy's gotten yeah. so much stronger in this past year, and he he loves it on the front and just like chugging. And he he probably did a great job of pulling Barna to get so, back up to you. And Barna's no slouch either. He's a freaking monster on the bike. I was completely gassed. I completely emptied myself trying to hold him off, but then I was being an absolute jerkwad because I made them wait, and then I just and then I dropped him. <laughs> yeah, I bent him clothesack. Yes, I was. I was the Dutch <laughs> asshole for sure. Oh. What about so, on the return trip on, back? On, did, we we all stayed together on the return. We had a oh, nice they tailwind. Didn't, like counterattack you? Did not counterattack me. We went pretty hard because guys, guys, <laughs> guys, come on! They could have dropped me. They, yeah, they could have fully dropped me. <laughs> Take that, you. Yeah, I bent in clothes, suck. But we didn't. We stayed together and we worked hard and we came back pretty quick too. Anyway, that was fun. I'm I'm sorry. David and Tom, if you're listening to this, I don't know if they listen to this. Will they listen to this? Oh, yeah. They might. Sure. David and Tom, I apologize, but if I have a chance to get in the break again, I'm doing it. <laughs> so that's not really an apology. You're up. Ice cream sandwich. <laughs> yes. Catch back, guys. <laughs> so that's it. Then I rode on Zwift again. So yay. I'm cranking along. Cool. Here we go. Yeah. 
Matt, how about you? What's up, ladies and gentlemen of the internet? You guys are looking good. In particularly good, looking good today. I mean, I don't know. You guys seem to look good every week. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> Hope you're enjoying that pool time, buddy. Um, that was just a soundbite. We don't have Matt here. He's at the pool. There you go. Kids. Um, my back pedal, it's the polar opposite of what Lance just said. What happened? Wait, did you ride? Wait, you did the team ride. I attempted to do the team ride on Tuesday night and had to shut it down half an hour into it. Way too much swelling. Oh, Lance, no. this is ridiculous. I, I'm really beating my head against the wall here. Um, I did have a procedure done. Um, it's like prolotherapy, basically. Okay. I had 22 injections put into my hip Ooh. and my thigh, and it was about 120 cc's of this concoction. And um, I was, I, I, we're, we're trying something new, and it's going to take three rounds of that. So... Each time going in, it's twenty-two injections. So do the math. Oh my god! Three of these, you know, it that's that's a lot of, of fluids to get pumped into you. And I had that done on Saturday, and I was given strict instructions to not do anything for the next forty-eight hours, which I abided by that. Yeah. Um, I was supposed to do a leg workout, and I pushed that even back, um, even though it was I was cleared to go do that stuff, and then. I went ahead and decided, okay, I'm going to jump on the team ride on Tuesday night, and I just I couldn't do it. I got a half an hour, a half hour into it. We were just riding, you know, that slow like warm up pace for the first ten minutes, yeah, and yeah. then it was a relatively flat course. I I don't know who picks all these courses and makes them all flat all the time. That's you. <laughs> oh, is that who it was? Sorry, <laughs> little self serving people. Sorry about that. But um, I it was like. 30 minutes into it, I'm like, it, it's getting, like, I can visibly see my thigh and my hip, like, kind of ballooning up, and you can start to feel, like, that impingement, not impingement, but you can just feel, like, as you're closing that, that hip joint, you can feel, like, like the pressure, the pressure, and, and you can feel oh. things touching that aren't supposed to be touching. I'm like, this is ridiculous, and I've been dealing with this for two years now, on and off, and it's been really bad for the last seven months, but it's been, it was started a little over a year ago, and it's just, like, up and down, but this last seven months, it just will not get better for anything. And throwing the kitchen sink at it. So, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I've a lot got of frustration. Yeah, you know, too many practitioners, medical practitioners, to just like scratching their head. They're not quite sure, but I'm just trying one thing after another, and we'll, we'll see. You got to keep trying. So you may as well try this. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm not going to give up, but I mean, I, I've, I don't know. <laughs> I, anybody, if, if you ever deal with this stuff, reach out. Let 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 a brother know. I could use a little bit of help, but it is what it is. I'll get through it one of these days and hopefully get back to ride and being myself on the bike again. Yep. In the meantime, it's uh, it sucks, but I am able to go to the gym. I'm going to the gym doing my thing, so I'm not getting uh, is it weaker. Because, yeah, obviously you're getting stronger, but but is it is it because the not you don't have this repetitive motion of the pedaling thing that it doesn't bother you in the gym? Um, well, you know, I'm only doing legs really like. Once a week, like a solid leg workout, but I am doing other stuff throughout the course of the week. I think it's just because I'm working it in different planes and different motions. And I think it is that repetitive like motion over and over and over again in the same plane. And it, it just starts to aggravate it. And I have had a couple small little like incidents or flare ups where like the like my quad, like I'll look down and like the medial part of like your your quad, like down towards your knee. Yeah. It will totally start to swell up a little bit uh, at the end of a workout, a leg workout. And I was doing some leg extensions and I never do heavy leg extensions for a couple different reasons, but it's a good thing for me to finish with. And I'm looking down and it's like my right leg is like, 15, 20% bigger than my left leg because of the swelling. I mean, I'm like, oh, I look all jacked in my right leg. That's cool and all, but that's not what I want. That's not what but you want. I don't know. It's uh, it's one of those things that we'll, we'll get to the bottom of it. It'll be one of those moments where like you finally like find out what it is and have that big aha moment, and then all of a sudden you know everything will come into focus and just really start pushing forward. But I don't know. I'm like on the brink of like, hey, pump me full of whatever. I don't care. Give me all the steroids. Give me all the whatever. I I don't know. Just make this make it go away because this has been way too many months and almost years of having to deal with this. And it's been a long time. Yep. And I'm tired of talking about it because that's all I ever do. Stupid hip. Yeah. Not cool. Um. Other than that, though, it's just uh, another week of me doing what I do, and we'll uh, go from there. Anything else? No. No. Champ Alley in sports. Champ here. Champ's back. <laughs> Champ oh, is here. I kind of listen to this part every time. Take your mother, Dorothy Mantooth, out for a nice seafood dinner and never call.
call her Ricky. Okay, enough of that. Let's go. Dorothy Mantooth. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So we get Dorothy on the podcast one of these days. Big news this morning. GCN Plus announced, or somebody Ooh. announced, who is going to be picking up the slack for them. And it is Max. HBO Max. Mm-hmm. So HBO Max has their own streaming app. It's been rebranded as just Max. It doesn't yep. say HBO Max. So they will start to, they will, not until February, I believe, will they will, they will start uh, streaming. streaming. So basically most of the, stuff. the 24 season. Yes. How do we watch all of the big cross races coming up during that whole week of like spectacular cross racing? We don't. We are oofed. Yeah. <laughs> there, there might be like some secret backdoor back channel private VPN things that you could do but I I, I don't know how that it's works it's messy I last year the the Christmas the the creased period between Christmas and New Year's yeah where all those cyclocross races was fantastic Matthew Vanderpool Wout Van Art Tom Pitcock were racing against each other almost every day yep. it was so much fun to watch last year this year they, I think they overlap like three times. There's like three times where all three are going to be at the races and then sure. two times where two of them will be. Anyway, but I, I don't know how we're going to watch them. Flow Sports will carry one of the UCI World Cup races or two. I don't know. We, yep. We're just kind of... I think I read somewhere that you might next year have to actually subscribe to another app that will piggyback on this max thing to yeah, get all possible. of the races, which ends up being like another nine or 10 bucks a month. Oh, geez. It, it, that's just, that's sounding a little bit ridiculous, but going back to the max thing, um, do you have to sp- subscribe to something specific for the cycling or is it just all inclusive with all of the other max stuff that you normally get? It's, it's their, it's their BR channel, their Bleacher Report channel. Is it stand for Bleacher Report? I think it does. Maybe. It's it's their BR channel where they're going to show all the cycling stuff. Okay, so you have so to have access to that part of their Maybe Max that's what I'm thinking service. of then, that you have to pay extra to get that to content get that. through Max. Maybe that's what it was. I kind of briefly flew through an article and I saw that. I was excited, but then I saw that little like, it's not oh, so by the simple. way, kind of thing at the end that you're going to have to pay even more if you want to get that. So maybe you have to subscribe to Max. And you'll get all the Mac stuff, but if you want to get access to the cycling stuff, it's like another eight or ten or something like that bucks a month. A base Mac subscription is nine ninety five a month with ads, fifteen ninety nine a month without ads, um, or you can pay one hundred and fifty bucks for the year. Yeah, um, uh, the Bleacher Report, the BR Sports add on is a, an additional nine ninety five a month. That's it. Holy crap! Yeah, they're gonna milk you, man. Yeah. I guess GCN wasn't making enough money. That's why they, that's why the the parent company pulled the plug anyway. So interesting. Well, all right. At least it's something. It's something. I mean, you're, are you, well, you can go month to month on that. So go month to month. You could just do pay 20 bucks for a month, basically, is what you got to pay for. It's just the confusing thing. I mean, okay. So the tour is going to be on NBC Sports. Sure. Um, a lot of the uh, one-day monument races will also be on NBC Sports. Some of the other ones will be on Flow Sports. If you, but that's 150 bucks a year. Yeah, uh, Flow Sports is as well. That's hot garbage. Yeah, I mean, they're actually their coverage of of Cycling Cross Nationals was actually pretty good. Decent. Yeah, right. they, they had they had a couple of commentators, and they were they were actually doing a pretty decent job. Yeah, they only had like two static cameras, but they had drone footage for almost the whole race. Yeah, so I only watched the better part of one race for a teammate of ours. And <laughs> there was a girl that went off the front and they pretty much had the camera on uh-huh. her about 95% of the time. Like there's the rest of the race. I mean, she's obviously going to win this. You don't need to talk about her anymore. Why don't you go back and see who's battling out for second, third and fourth. And they didn't really get to that. Yeah. They don't really, you do just kind of see the, uh, um, the, the kids as they came across the finish line, you would see the, the positions changed and that was about all That's you got to see it. of them. But yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's it for, GCN Plus, the demise, it goes away the 19th of December. What's today? The 15th. 15th. Yep. So you have four more days to watch their we'll other stuff. Yeah. yeah. Which is pretty good. Okay. What else does Champ Bailey have to talk about? U.S. Cyclocross Nationals. Um, we The the big news for us in the Northwest here was Clara Hansinger pulled off Fourth. number four. Yep. Pulled off for four, Pete. Um, she raced in the Team SM kit and... Uh, there was uh, Raylan Nuss, I think, got a really hot start, 
and uh, Clara was able to claw her back, and there was one little bobble Raylan Nuss had, and then that was it. Clara ended up winning by like 30 seconds or something like that. Pretty handily, yeah. So good on her. Um, that wasn't an easy race for her. She was stressed, and no. there was some. she had some really bad news days or the week before her, her boyfriend, partner, his, uh, his dad passed away. Oh my god. And she gosh. was close to him and it was she wasn't even sure she was going to be able to do the race. Um based on everything that was going on and they, you know, I think she was highly encouraged to go there and do everything, but it was just one of those things leading up like she wasn't able to do her normal routine, she wasn't able to like do all the oh. preparatory pre-rides and all that other stuff that she would want to do and she kind of just like, all right, well, let's give the old college try, went out there and she handled her business. So good on her. Yeah, good for her. Champions That's, know how to win. Yeah. yeah. It was just good to see her get out there and win, you know, uh, again with all that pressure. So sure. good for her. Uh, she had two teammates who were also in the top 15. Wow. So Brenna Rice Simpson, who yep. is her mechanic, uh-huh. one of her mechanics, but she also raced elite and took eighth. Good for her. Yeah. Brenna took eighth. That was awesome. Um, and another Team S&M uh, athlete, Annie Usher, was 13th. Wow. So... Holy cow. Good job, Eric. Yeah. Got a good team going on yeah. down there. Eric's proud of you. The caveman. Yeah. That's his nickname. <laughs> Love that guy. Um, in the men's side, it the race was actually really quite exciting. Yeah. Um, uh, right off the bat, there was a there was a group of four. It was like the four favorites. It was Andrew Strohmeyer and Eric Bruner and Scott Funston and Curtis White all battling <laughs> like for like three laps. And it was like on the lap three, Eric Bruner and, um, oh my gosh, him and Strohmeyer just like body checked each other. They mm-hmm. both do- dove for a corner at the same time and, and, <laughs> and they both hit each other. I think, I think Strohmeyer went down mm-hmm. and was able to jump back up and still get ahead of him around the next corner. It was pretty exciting. But it wasn't too far after that that Bruner had some kind of mechanical. He banged his derailleur somehow and, um, and it, dropped his chain he jumped off fixed the chain started to go again and his derailleur had gone into crash mode so stuck in the big gear yeah right he luckily knew how to fix crash mode was able to get it out of crash mode right there you know on the side of the course and and i can't remember what you have to do to get out of crash mode so di2 this is a di2 thing yeah you've got to hold down the button and it'll start indexing um once you get to a certain part of that mode and then it'll basically like index through the cassette and then it'll be basically reset. So. Okay. So we knew to hold down the button I for a certain amount of time. Don't think SRAM does that. No, I, I think it's I a good either. thing. It's a protective measure to protect the rear derailleur so that, you know, your five, six, seven, eight hundred dollar rear derailleur doesn't like get trashed because it's uh, you know, disconnected in some way, shape or form. But yeah. that's a hassle when that does happen. And I remember the first time I dealt with that, I'm like, what's going on here? But um yeah, I got that fixed. Yeah. Good on him, though, for knowing how to fix that. Yeah, cause I, that happened to me once in a cross race. I was racing on a DI2, uh, mm-hmm. and it went into crash mode, and I didn't know what to do, and I like just bailed on the race. I didn't I didn't know oh, how to fix it. Yeah. But this was like four or five years Junction ago. box, hold that button down yeah. until you get to the very end, does a little flashy thing, pedal through it, and you're good. Anyway, Eric Bruner, he was like ended up in like fifth place um, after his uh, crash mode um, debacle, and he was highly motivated and was able to work his way back to the front, went off the front, and ended up winning the race. So Eric Bruner is our national champion. Dude, so hat, hats off. Hats that's, off. Yeah. That's a champion move right there. So he's also won the Pan American. So he won the Pan American Championships that was in Montana like a month ago, and now he's the national champion. He was the national champion two years ago, I believe. Uh, Curtis White won last year, and so Eric Bruner's his second time. How old's Eric so. Bruner? Do you know, roughly? Um, yes, I know exactly. He's 25. Man, I wish I was 25 again. Yeah. So. Many moons ago. Heck of a race. Mm-hmm. So Bruno was first. Strohmeyer was second. Scott Funston was third. Curtis White faded a bit uh, and was fourth. And fifth was Carrie Werner. So uh, kind of exciting. Lance Haydet, formerly of Bend, was uh, sixth. So he did quite well, too. Um, the single speed race was really, <laughs> it was really exciting um, Kerry Werner uh, decided to go do the single speed race, but he went as Kenny Werner. Where what? It's his, it's his alter ego. Oh, geez. And he, he like fully leaned into it. He 
he he put on a, a taped on mustache. Okay. And he raced the whole race in it in like this <laughs> in this costume mustache that he stuck. Please in. tell me he's wearing jorts and some flannel. No, uh. um, they actually the USA Cycling kind of cracked down on costumes. They wouldn't let what? people in costumes for the single speed race. So Why? I don't know. Why does that matter? I don't know. Have fun with it. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, Lance Hadet and. Uh, Kenny Werner, <laughs> they battle for the whole race, like like swapping places, and and uh, Kenny won by like a bike length. They wow. like sprinted out at the end. They were off the front, so kind of exciting. Single speed races were really exciting. All right, um, that's it for that. We there was like twelve other Obra members who also raced at Cyclocross Sweet. Nationals. Our teammate Whitney Hayden, we completely butchered the. Uh, age group last week. She raced in the 13-14 women, mm-hmm. and she ended up seventh place. Mm-hmm. Do you know anything much about that race, Jake? I know that she was in the very back. Um, again, to to quote um, Mr. Lance Epler, thanks, Oprah. <laughs> For those that don't she know. She had no call-up points. Yeah, Obra, Obra. Yeah, there's she doesn't get her call-up points because um, she's racing with Obra, and she doesn't get USAC points. But anyway, she uh, started at the back, and then the very first corner after the start, they went into a girl lost her front wheel, went down, and she had to go wide. And the the, the girls that were leading the race got power. I think they were actually in front of that, took the inside corner, and they got a clean burn out of there. So like immediately she was like fighting to get back on. And the girl who won, I don't recall her name. I'm sure you've got that pulled up. I don't. That girl handled her business. Like she just, every single lap was put in 15, 20, 30 seconds into the field. And it just was like, she just rolled away with it. So um, anyway, she handled her business and Whitney was doing awesome. She was at one point in time, I think was like close to 10th place. And then after the first lap, she clawed her way back. And she was, I think at one point in time in fourth place. I think so. She was going to fight to get on the podium. And I think it was the last lap or second to last lap somewhere in there. Some point in time, according to her dad, she lost her front wheel or she washed out and lost a couple spots and then was able to hold on for seventh place overall. Um, she, she did great. Good for her. Yeah. It was a pretty big field of talented girls though. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we talked about Coco Larritz last week. She yep. raced in the 15, 16 and she ended up 15th. Um, Jack Billowitz. Yep. Um, he also went out there. He raced in the 15, 16. He, he actually did the non-championship race like on Tuesday or Wednesday and won it. Wow. So he was really excited. And then on his practice ride the next day, he clipped a pole and exploded his middle finger. What? Yeah. So they ended up in the ER for like four or five hours, getting his finger stitched back together. And the, the doc said, do not ride your bike. And he said, screw you. I'm going to ride <laughs> This figure you just fit, fixed, look at it. <laughs> so anyway, he still lined up and raced, but uh, he wasn't the same without his hand working properly. Yeah. So he ended up mid-pack, or he was 15th. Um, I did that once, yeah. although it wasn't in a race, but it was before the, the final race of a trophy cup season. And I don't know, it's long story but yeah. i blew up my middle finger and ended up getting a bunch of stitches and wasn't able to race yeah so anyway. that's what happened to jack so hopefully things will be better next year uh zane Strait also raced in that race he ended up 18th um taylor snyder who is an obra member mm-hmm. um she raced in the 35 to 39 age group and she actually took third she made the podium wow. she also raced single speed yep also took third Good in the job. single speed so taylor snyder kind of killed that what She's, team is she on She's um, she's on Drew Coleman's team. Drew started a oh. team DC Media House. He did, huh? Yes. I think Taylor is the only member on the team. <laughs> is that a, a significant other maybe by chance? It's not. No, just good friends? Yes. Okay. So actually, I have no idea, <laughs> but, I'm, but, but I'm pretty sure it's not. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Well, she's so. guaranteed to get some good pictures of her then. Yes, I know. DC, <laughs> uh, yeah. Drew Coleman is a fantastic photographer, and so he supported her for this race, and she took two third places, which is great. Uh, Stephanie Utrecht, uh, she raced in the 50 to 54 field. She was sixth. Good for her. Uh, Michael Brown, who is Ian Brown's father, mm-hmm. he went down because Ian was racing in the collegiate race. I think he was 14th in the collegiate race. Michael Brown went down. He's in my age group, 50 to 54. Uh he, I don't think he had a real good race. He ended up mid-pack. We talked about Paul Borsier last week. He ended up 16th yep. in the 50 to 59. 
And I think that's all the Ober members. I probably missed somebody, but uh, good on you for all going out there. Cool. That's it. Champ out. Champ out. <laughs> Forgot who I was for a moment. <laughs> hey, Lance, you want to come back over here and sit down? We'll kick this uh, champ joker out of the, the room. <laughs> get, get rid- <laughs> all right. Let's do uh, our topic for this week. Lance Hepler. What are we doing? Matt's not here, so we're going to talk about non-Matt stuff. Yes. <laughs> Mountain bike must-have list. Mountain bike XC edition. What do you need in mountain bike world, other than an XC mountain bike, to be proficient at racing or riding XC mountain bikes? And XC meaning cross-country. Yeah, cross-country mountain bike racing. Yeah, let's just be real. Neither one of us are going to be going to the gravity games or doing the crazy downhill stuff. Or No, no dude. Yeah. That stuff scares me. Lance would get laughed out of town because he'd show up wearing his Lycra kit, right? Yes, right. <laughs> and on clipped pedals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I do think that there's a lot of fun to that, but I personally know myself and I would have way too much fun and I would probably end up, though, having so much fun that I'd be in the hospital for God knows how long with Same. broken stuff. And I just don't need any more brokenness in my life. So we stick to the XC variety of the whole mountain bike genre. And uh, we've got a little list here, a little top 10 list. And we're going to start at the top and work our way down to what we think is the number one thing that you probably need to have on your must-have list here. All of these things are great additions. However, they're not absolutely crucial or necessary. These are just the list of things that we think is uh, cat's meow. Yep. My number one. Yep. No, oh, n- n- save number one for last. Oh. Jack I wagon. Just, I just about blew it. All right. <laughs> Starting with the bottom. The bottom. So we're just going to start with the most basic low-hanging fruit thing, and that's going to be your saddlebag, but not necessarily the saddlebag. It's what you keep in your saddlebag. So you want to kind of run through a few things that you think are like ever crucial for people to have in a saddlebag for doing any kind of XC riding or racing. A plug kit. A plug kit, yep. Uh, a CO2 mm-hmm. with a some kind of inflator. Um, I also put a, you need a multi-tool. Mm-hmm. I, I screwed myself by not having the right multi-tool last year in a race. Actually, I didn't totally screw myself. My teammates <laughs> saved me. Um, and um, yeah, what else? Master link. And a master link, yes. Now, the reason why we run through this list is a lot of times mountain biking is kind of remote. When you're doing XC mountain biking, it's even more remote. You can get pretty far out there, and I'm sure that there's probably some races that you've done here locally where you've, uh, you know, basically been what 10, 12 miles out away from anybody, and like you need to be pretty self-proficient when you yes. get out there. You need to be able to repair what's going on. So, the things that you keep in that saddlebag become ever crucial. Um, the multi-tool. That's I've there's a lot of times you'll see people they will screw up and they won't have every last tool bit or piece that's going to work with their respective bike. So like if you've got things on your bike that are proprietary or like you know if you need like a T10 Torx or something like that for for whatever reason and that's not on your multi tool, chances are that's going to be the one thing that breaks on you. And if you get out in the middle of nowhere and you don't have that tool, you're screwed. So make sure you know all the bits and bobs on your bike and make sure that you get a multi tool that corresponds to all that and don't necessarily need to get a multi-tool that's got every last known thing to god because that ends up weighing a lot you, that's another thing about cross-country Correct. mountain bike racing and riding is you, you want to go be light light yeah yep. so get the tool that has the things that you need the problem i had last year um it was at echo red to red and my pedal came loose like four miles into the race yeah. and my pedal um took an eight millimeter allen key Mm-hmm. I did not have that on my multi-tool. I had a little tiny mini version, which was a very pinned down multi-tool that didn't have an eight millimeter on yep. it. I had to flag down. I had to ask a competitor, do you have an eight? And somebody <laughs> stopped luckily. Yeah. And um, I was able to crank it back in and get going again. And then my other pedal came loose. Oh, geez. Like four miles later. And... Um, I, my teammate, Chris Surratt yeah. was riding by and he's, he's like, what do you need? And I'm like, I need an eight. And he just whipped his, uh, multi-tool out of his hand and, and just chucked it at me and just <laughs> kept going. I'm like, super. That's not something you see on a lot of multi-tools is an eight mil. Nope. So more times than not though, it's basically going to be a little piece that will slide over the six and it'll just be like an extra bit that you kind of slide on there. And you can't find multi-tools that have that, but you don't have the actual eight mil. You've just got a piece that adapts to another yeah. piece on there and that usually will put you in a good spot. Anyway, but so gotta gotta know these things. Yeah. He saved my race and then I put his multi-tool in my pocket and then it bounced out somewhere and I lost his multi-tool and then I had to buy him a new one. <laughs> but you did all right in that race, right? <laughs> I, I still won. won my age group. There you go. Yeah. 
So I only lost like like ninety seconds or mm-hmm. maybe two minutes total between the two, and so and that's a mostly single track race, and that's right down my alley. So, gotcha. Yeah. Another thing with respect to this list, it doesn't necessarily have to be something that you always have to have with you. It's something that you might just want to have in your quiver or on your tool bench at home, and that leads us into our next one. And um, you know, you're doing a lot of this riding out there, and there's a lot of crazy stuff going on, and get dirty and all this stuff. Your your shocks they can get pretty beat up, and they can get really dirty. And it's super important to keep your stanchions clean, keep your seals clean, and and make your your fork and your shock be um, as plush as it possibly can be. And in doing that, there's some maintenance that goes along with that. So you want to have some uh, special lubricants for the the fork itself the stanchion as well as the seals um and i don't have the name of it off the top of my head i probably should have pulled that up before we talked about this but there's a a a bunch of them out there that you can find but you want to make sure that those things stay clean but you want to have the specific fluid that you're going to put on the stanchions and once it's on there after you've cleaned it you're going to compress the fork or the shock a bunch of times and what that's going to do is it's going to that that stuff is going to pick up all the grime you wipe that off and at the same time it's going to lubricate the seals in there which Mm. is going to keep those working the way that they're intended and it's just going to it's just good hygiene for your your bike. And th- those shocks, they do a lot of work for you. And the last thing you want is those things to not do the right work. Uh, yes. And you don't want to be having to take your bike in for a fork service sooner than, than you have to. Jake, how often are you supposed to get your forks serviced on your mountain bike? 50 hours, 100 hours, and 200 hours. Correct. Yep. Every 50 hours, mm-hmm. which is roughly 50 rides, depending on how long of rides you go. but. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, at the well, those different intervals that I put out, it is a fifty-hour interval. But once you get to the hundred hours, and once you get to two hundred hours, there's different things that you need to do with those pacings. It's okay. just like with your car, like you take it in for a general tune-up every like three thousand miles or five thousand miles, depending upon your make model, whatever. But when you get to like sixty thousand miles or hundred thousand miles, there's other things that you need to do so that other things don't go wrong, so it doesn't end up costing you a bunch more money. And these bikes these days are friggin' expensive. Yes. <laughs> Super expensive. And one of the things that's expensive on these bikes, forks and shocks. Yes. Take care of them. So eh, that, that's my next one. Um, the next one, Lance, you want to do number number eight? Uh, one of the things I, I don't like to go without is full finger gloves on cross-country mountain biking. And why is that? Because um, so you don't hit a tree and explode your middle finger. <laughs> <laughs> there are, yeah, there's a bunch of different kinds of gloves. And, and full finger gloves are good because... Mountain biking, it's not if, but when you're going to go down, at least if you're trying. Yeah. Um, you're going to go down, and the last thing you want to do is have tore up hands from hitting the ground. And so the gloves can help protect that. That's one thing. But they do have gloves that have like a little bit of armor on them because when you get back out there in the thickets of some of these trails and places that we ride, like the last thing you want is like a branch smack in your hand and busting your middle finger wide open. The, uh, the biggest reason I like full finger gloves is I can break better with my full finger gloves than with my sweaty digits mm-hmm. sliding all over That's the brake handle. 100% why I like full finger yep. gloves too for riding on gravel and mountain bikes because my hands get sweaty as well. Yeah, And you don't want your hands sliding off a grip or something like that going into some technical stuff and the next thing you know you're flying over the handlebars Correct. and what the F am I doing here? Yes, <laughs> It's no way to live a life. It helps the braking for yep. sure. Protect your hands. Cool. The next one, um, I still don't own well no i take that back i do own one but i don't have any of these on me and it's something i probably will start keeping and for good reason why um thermoplastic tubes thermoplastic tubes so this is part of your flat kit um thermoplastic tubes are made out of a plastic a thermoplastic <laughs> a thermoplastic plastic <laughs> yep and uh they're super light and they and they roll down really tiny the footprint on these things is tiny yeah how many of them can you fit in the same space as a standard 29-inch tube? You could probably fit three of the thermoplastic tubes in the same space as one tube, at least two. Yeah. So, so like even, even for like gravel riding or racing, you know, you want to take an extra tube with you. Well, I take thermoplastic tubes because I can pack three extra tubes with me in the same space that I normally would do one. So I, I Can you bought, speak to their durability though? Yeah, there's still people use them like for regular. So oh, really? Yes. They have improved dramatically in the last year and a half. We actually should do a whole nother show just about thermoplastic. Hey, there you go. Because they have uh, they've improved quite a bit. And so and they work really well. They're very light. And uh, yeah, they pack down to nothing. So I actually I, mine are bright orange, so I know which one's a thermoplastic. And you can usually get them either in clear or like green or or orange. I get orange ones, but then I have one just for my mountain bike, just for my gravel bike, and just for my road bike. So I know 
And I have put all three of those with you at all times, huh? No, no. Oh, okay. I have them. I have stickers on each one, so I know no, which, which one is which. which. Gotcha. So when I jump on my road bike, I throw the road one in my pocket. Okay. Yeah. It's one of those things too. Like we'll, we'll we'll talk about this one a little bit later. It's a little bit spoiler, but like when you're riding tubeless, it's a pretty solid platform. Like you're yes. you're not going to deal with too many issues, and the, the wheels and the tires have come so far. And you generally speaking don't have issues with them. But if things do go south and you have to throw a tube in there, yeah, you want to be prepared for that. But once you're starting, once you get into that, like okay, we're going to ride on a tube. You got to get the air pressure right. You got to be careful. There's pinch flats. There's so many things that can happen. Like you're, the, the odds of you getting a flat tire once you put a tube in there are much greater. Yes. And what I like about these is like the other one is like, all right, I've only got room for one, so that's all I'm going to take. Well, this way, at least I've got that. Like, all right, I've got. I'm riding a tube. I don't want to have it in there. At least I know that I've got extra backups if I have to change more because we've been there before. I've been there before, especially on the gravel bike. Like you get like a, a slit or something like that. And next thing you got to put a tube in there and you don't want to ride it super high pressure, but you got to get it down low enough to where you can, you know, still protect against pitch flats. But the odds are you're going to get another stinking flat. And if you're by yourself, that's good. Like a, it's a good little backup plan. It's a good, like, you know, way to be prepared. It'll, Boy Scout model, always be prepared. Yes. Yeah. At the Oregon Trail Gravel Grinder this sure. last year, uh, it's a five-day gravel stage race. Day one, I double flatted on like 10 miles in on day one. And I hit a rock so hard that I cracked my my carbon rim. Mm-hmm. So I cracked my front rim. And it was still, it wouldn't hold air anymore, so I was able to tube it. And um, because my rim was cracked... I kept flatting every like 30 minutes. Oh, geez. <laughs> and so, so of course, I'm in race mode. Uh, you know, once I flatted like that, your race is over. I just wanted to get to the end. But I had to borrow five inner tubes from other racers <laughs> and like eight CO2s. I had to like, Jeez. I kept, people were asking, do you need anything? And I'm like, I need a CO2. And they would chuck it at me. And I'm like, actually, do you have a tube? Yeah, here, take this. And, and I, I finished the race with, with five flat tubes wrapped around my shoulders because I didn't want to just chuck them in the commando woods. style. Yeah, and they wouldn't fit in my pocket because I had so many tubes on oh, me. Geez. So I looked like I was from Star Wars because I had all these tubes wrapped around my shoulders. Lovely. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Tangent. Thermoplastic tubes. How much do those things run? They're pretty pricey, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, they're like they're like twenty twenty five bucks, bucks per tube. tube yeah, where Jeez. a normal tube is like six bucks, or six eight to ten bucks. or something like that. Yeah. yeah, so they're spendy. They're spendy, but they're small, and yeah. it's kind of nice to have that. Yeah, it's good they'll fail safe. Yeah, cool. All right, the next one is well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's two things, but it's really just one, and that one is kind of a debatable for some people these days. But the first and foremost of of uh, number six will be an, a spare hanger. Spare hanger. How many times have you fallen on your bike and bent your hanger? Um, dozens, <laughs> <laughs> many, many times, many, many times. You're pretty much going to be in a pickle if you bend that hanger, but you can bend it back. You can kind of get it aligned. If that happens though, and you fall on it again, there's a good chance that that hanger is going to snap and then you're screwed. And you're going to be hike a bike in it for a long time. Or if it's so bent and you just can't get it back, if you can swap that thing out, you know, maybe you want to bend it back and you've got time. And you're not in the middle of a race. You can bend it back to where it's like, all right, that's usable, but I don't want to rely on that. Then you can just take it off once you kind of have it bent back, put the better one on there, and then know that you've got that one as a reserve backup yeah. too. You can do it a couple different ways. But to have that spare hanger, that can be a real game changer, and it can save your bacon if you're way out there in the middle of nowhere to so be able to get back. You carry one in your little kit? Yes. Yeah. I've Yeah, I've, I've always got one in there specific to the bike that I'm riding. Um, thankfully, the hanger that I use for my gravel bike and my road bike are the same. So yeah, that, that works out pretty slick. Nice. The second thing is there's a lot of people, um, and this is kind of like the little bonus for number six. There's a lot of people riding on access, um, bikes, which is the, uh, SRAM ETAP, the, yep. the, the wireless uh, shifting, all that stuff carry a spare battery. Yes. Those batteries are so stinking small. They don't take up any space. How many times have you used your spare battery that you have with you dozens of times i've used mine many times or given it to somebody else yeah. on the ride yeah. who had a battery died. multiple times yeah. exactly so it's always good to have that if you're riding um shimano sorry you're screwed <laughs> you can't charge that i mean battery you, i suppose you technically go. could bring an extra battery with you but that's a that's a big battery you know what you could do huh? um if if you're out 
um, you can get somebody else. Actually, mountain bikes, did, they don't use Shimano, do they? Wait, no. I mean, yes, they use Shimano. They do DI2 for Shimano with yeah. wired. Okay, I'm going to shut up. That was a complete, can, just cut this. Fix that in post. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, what you can do is if your battery dies, you can get somebody else that also has DI2, plug your derailleur into their battery, get it into a gear that's going to work, and then unplug it and then keep going. Yeah, you're single speeding it, but you can at least get into an optimal um, gear, gear, if you will. Yeah, because if you're in your, your big gear and you're just you know mashing all the way back or spinning like crazy, that could be super annoying. Yeah. Uh, or just ride SRAM. At the start of our gravel races, uh, gravel ride uh, this last weekend uh, in the snow, uh, Ed Dudlick's uh, shifter battery died. Oh, no. So it wouldn't start. And But he didn't have a... Those take those little CR, tiny coin... CR 2032s. Yeah. Another thing. That's a bonus one. Throw yes. that in effect. I've actually got three of those in mind. I have several, too. And he's like, I don't have one. I'm like, I do. Let's stop and fix it. We fixed it. I mean, it literally took us like three minutes to yeah. fix it. And we did that for uh, John Hatfield. We were climbing up Mount Lemon. I don't know if you remember that. Yes, that's right. He was like, I can't shift. It won't do it. And I'm like, I think your shifter battery's like, no, no, I just did change it. And like, I don't know. Anyway, long story short, we stopped. I put a new battery in there and he was off and running. I'm like, well, you're a lot lighter than I am. Just a 20 mile climb. See you later, John. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's a good one to keep in there. Yeah. Those little buggers and all kinds of stuff. So just have those things around. Yeah. Like like candy. All right. The next one, photochromic lenses on your glasses. And those are fantastic. I actually wrote a blog article on that not too long ago, but- I'll let you talk about why you like having photochromatic lenses. Uh, especially mountain bike racing and mountain bike sure. usually in the trees or in the woods. And and these lenses will lighten up as you get in the shadows so you can see better and then darken up when you get in the full sun. Yep. So they, they just help me see better. Yeah, you want to be wearing glasses all the time. Um, if it's super bright out, you don't want to be squinting. If it's you know super rainy out, you don't want to be trying to look through glasses that are all tinted. So what these do, like Lance says, is they change. And that saves you on so many levels because a you want to protect your eyes when you're out there riding on mountain bikes you're going to get hammered by mud and dirt and rocks and trees and all that other stuff so protect your eyes but at the same time you want to be able to see and when you're in the shadows or you're in the trees where there are shadows you want to be able to see the roots the rocks yeah you want to see like the things that the trail furniture and not be a situation where you're flying and like you didn't see it and then all of a sudden you see it and then you're flying over the bars this helps you see what you're up against and it's going to save your bacon so in here in the Pacific Northwest, too, for all of the rides that we do, it's like, you know, with the exception of summertime, it's like every five minutes, it seems like you're dealing with something else weather-wise. It could be pouring right. rain. It could be, heat, you know, hailing on you. Then the sun's out bright, and then you're in trees and shadows. It's just right. everything. So those lenses, they serve you well on so many levels. And yep. I love I love mine. Which You're in the 100%, 100% S2s. Yeah, that's yep. what I've got as well. We've got a bunch of the, um, the Koo sunglasses coming in to the, the Dow Cycling Lab, and oh, they've cool. got a bunch of the photochromatic lenses as well, so I'm kind of stoked to see what those are all about. So get yourself some good lenses. Photochromatic is the ideal choice. Yes. The next one, I think this one might be a little bit debatable here. We'll have to talk about this a little bit more. Tire inserts. Are you running tire inserts? And if so, what, what are you running? Yes, I am running tire inserts, especially on my mountain bike. Um, I love having the tire inserts in there. It's yep. just like flat protection sure. or rim protection. Um, even though I did bust flat and cracked the rim on anyway, but that was, uh, now you're running these on aggressive. your gravel bike and your mountain bike, correct? Yes. 24 seven all the time. Yes. Okay. Do you notice any performance related issues with these? Do I you haven't like- ridden either of those bikes without an insert in them for so long. I don't remember huh. what it was like now. Um, I have Cushcore because they were one of the first to market and sure. they're a bend company and I wanted to support somebody local. And so I, I have Cushcore on my bikes. They have one of the heaviest inserts across the market. But and it's bomb proof. It it's is like pretty bomb proof. Putting a Sherman Army tank in your wheels. Um, I have never flatted or pinch flatted on my mountain bike ever mm-hmm. since I've had those in. And I've been racing with them for three years, I yeah. think, Cushcore for three years. I've never had a pinch flat. Hmm. So You also race with it in your cross bike, too. I do put them in my cross bike as well. It makes, uh, you can actually run lower pressure and you don't have the hassle of of uh, tubular tires having to glue those on a rim. And so, yeah, I, I really liked inserts. I've tried them. Um, 
I'm going to say that I, the jury's still out. I think I need to spend more time on them. I don't know if it was, I, I think I wrote on them maybe like eight or 10 times. I don't know if it was just the time of the year that I was riding on them or what the deal was, but I felt like they just were slow and sluggish on my gravel bike. And I just, I wasn't madly in love with them. And I felt like as soon as I took them out and went back to riding a tire pressure that was appropriate for me, I felt like they were pretty stinking good. Um, the other things that I wasn't like wildly happy about was the fact that they are heavier. And I'm, I'm attributing that to some of the performance issues. I just felt like the bike was slow to get up to speed Yeah, and it just felt a little sluggish for me. And I, I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm a little bit heavier and maybe I was trying to run too low of a tire pressure that maybe that was kind of one of the things. So I, the jury's still out. I'm not saying that I don't like them, but I'm not saying that I love them either. I think I just need to go spend some more time on them. Um, a couple of the things about them is they're expensive. Expensive. I think it's about about 120 bucks for a set of them. Yep, a hundred. Yeah, depending on yeah, 150, 120, yeah, 150, 150 like bucks for a set of them. 150 is probably right with yep. all the inflation stuff we've dealt with. Um, you also need to have a very specific valve stem for them. Granted, a lot of times yep. they come with it, so that kind of negates that. Um, the other thing, and this is probably the biggest thing, and we deal with this kind of often, is getting a tire on and off with Cush Core in them can sometimes be near impossible to the point where you almost have to use a pair of scissors or a knife and cut the tire off just to get it off the bead. It, it complicates uh, putting brand new tires on and taking tires off that are really sealed on the rim. Yes, okay. it complicates. So my question is, is if you're out in the middle of nowhere and you need to get that off to put in a tube because, well, I, I suppose you technically could ride back on just the, the Cush Core if you absolutely had to. But I'm thinking like if you get a bad that. if you've got a bad slash in there and it's like all right I've got to take all this crap out and I've got to put a tube in there so that I can get back, I guess you technically could just ride on no tire pressure at all on the Cush Core and just take your time getting back right if you actually have to. Correct. We've had bikes come into the lab before and you've dealt with this once before I think yourself where you had to get a tire off and you just couldn't get it to come off and you ultimately had to cut it right. I ended up having to cut through the Kevlar bead. Uh -huh. to get the tire off the rim because I could not get it yeah, off. That's just not something yes. I want to deal with out in the middle of nowhere. So, but uh, in a race situation, so the same Oregon Trail uh, race that I did where I had those five flats on yeah. that one day, I, I ended up flatting with like four mile downhill to go for the last flat and I had nothing else mm -hmm. and I wasn't going to stop again. And I rode my tire with the Cush Core all the way to the finish. Wow. How many and, times were you getting like the wheel strikes? I mean, at that point in time, you didn't care because it was already kind of broken, but. Correct. It didn't make, I didn't do any other damage to the rim, huh. but yeah, I could feel it. Yeah. So the, the benefits, the pros to these are. I could ride it. You can ride it. It's going to be something that's going to protect your wheel in most cases. In most cases. <laughs> and it's going to let you ride it a little bit lower of a tire pressure, which is going to give you better traction, a better hookup. Yes. What's the break point on that, though, in terms of like the, the benefits that you're gaining? I mean, it gets to a point where it's going to be too low to where you're actually going to be working against yourself with respect to the tire pressure and the, the rolling resistance. Well, for me, the breaking point is if it prevents a pinch flat, then it, you, you're saving f like three or four minutes right there. Just, yeah. Like, so if that, you're, that's definitely a pro right if there. If you're for, in an XC mountain bike race uh -huh. and it's only, you know, it's an hour and a half or a two-hour race. If you get a flat, you're 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 done. Your mm -hmm. race is over. But if it'll prevent that, I'm willing to go with a little bit heavier wheel setup. Yeah, and you've had situations in your cross races before too, where you were able to ride at a tire pressure that was much lower than say Correct. somebody riding that was tubeless, where they burped and I believe you didn't, Correct. and you were able to come out of a turn and, and actually take a victory or beat the person that you were battling with at point in time because of the tire selection and the inserts you had. Yes. Interesting. It made a difference too, yeah. It's just a matter of like, do the pros outweigh the cons? Yeah. And and for me, it's just like, I need to go back and test these more. And Could, I, to be honest, I haven't tried one on a mountain bike. So I, I don't know how that's going to vary from a gravel bike. I don't know if that's necessarily my jam for gravel bikes, but I can see some definite like benefits to that. There's more than, Cushcore is the only one on the market. Victoria makes one. I think Tubalite makes one mm -hmm. that are that are both a whole lot lighter, aren't quite as heavy duty or as durable. But uh, if weight is an issue or, you know, yeah, getting back up to speed, those could be an option. Yeah. I just felt like I was having to put way too many 
watts or extra watts into it to, to maintain a speed or a pace that I was a customer riding at. So, but I, I mean, jury's out on that one for me. For Lance, I think it's a slam dunk home run because he loves him, he knows him, and it, it works well for him, and he gets great results. So, I'd put him in my stinking road bike if they, if you could, if I could. <laughs> well, Victoria makes him for the road bike, yeah. but yeah, that's a whole nother debate there. All right, let's move on to the next one. Um, we just did tire inserts at number four. Number three, speaking of tires, tubeless. You have to be set up tubeless. Yes, you have to be set up tubeless. That's just a no-brainer in this day and age. How long have you been riding tubeless on the mountain bike? Um, I don't know, five years, six, seven years? That's it? Se- yeah, I think so. Wow. Eight years? I, I don't know. Gosh, I haven't ridden a mountain bike in a year. That's pretty crazy to, to for me to think about because I sold my mountain bike. I just haven't gotten another one because I've been friggin' broken. I can't justify it, but it's, it's getting closer. Um, I've been rolling tubeless for probably somewhere between 12 and 14 years. I oh, used wow. to do it back in the day when we were doing the, the ghetto tubeless setup and you're getting stands and you're using like duct tape or gorilla tape and you know, all that other stuff just to make your wheels work. And it, it was fantastic. I've always loved it. So it, uh, you absolutely need to be running tubeless on your mountain bike. Yeah. The, the, it, the wheels have gotten better. The tires have gotten better. The sealant has gotten better. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fantastic. I use, uh, I use orange seal um, it is not the best sealant on the market. Um, actually, Silka makes a makes a, a, a sealant which is which is plugs up stuff way better than a lot of the other ones. Fiber form in there, yeah, yeah, including your um, your valve core. So yeah. <laughs> you do have to maintain. That's you probably another thing that you throw in your another bonus. A valve core, a valve core. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, that could be helpful too. So anyway. But yeah, go yeah. tubeless. Yeah, and we don't need to get on that. And and not just on your mountain bike, all of your bikes. Yeah. Road, gravel, mountain, all of them need to be tubeless. I, I can't think of a reason why you would want to be tubed unless you're out there and you get a gash or flat or whatnot and you yeah. got a tube in there to get you home, then that, that's fine. Otherwise, you should not be riding on tubes. Number two, I absolutely adore these. Number two is going to be your dropper post. Dropper post. Now, full disclosure, I used to race a lot of XC stuff and I was always racing on a hardtail mountain bike, you know, rigid in, in place set seat posts. And I just got really used to that. And I was super comfortable with it. And I couldn't really justify when they were starting to come out and be a thing, putting one of those on there. I'm like, I don't, I don't necessarily need that. I'm just fine. I'm plenty fast. I can get through all this stuff really wicked fast. And I don't want to add that extra weight to my, you know, sub 20 pound, you know, XC hardtail race bike. They're a little on the heavy side sometimes, yeah. but technology's come a long ways. I mean, you can get them wireless now. You can get them to be pretty light now, and they will set in all of the different positions. But the moral of the story here is that I never used one until probably about four years ago, maybe five years ago, four or five years ago. I went out on a ride, and we went flying down this trail. It's a, a local trail here that Lance and I have ridden down a million times called Red Tape, and that was eye-opening how different it was. I'm like, oh my God, where's this thing been all my life? And why was I such an idiot? Why didn't I have one of these things on my bike 10 years ago? Because it would have saved me so much time and and energy and and just efficiency and probably a wipeout or two even, but they're fantastic. You can corner better with your your dropper down. Yes. So even like on single track, like flowy trails, I will drop my dropper when I'm up off the seat. Sure. Yeah. So I want a dropper on my road bike. Just so I can get in that tuck position. Yes. Right. <laughs> Without having to sit on the top tube and take my life into my own hands. But going back to it, like it, you don't know until you know. The, once you finally get out there and figure it out and use it and just just being able to get the seat out of the way too yep. when you're trying to fly around stuff. Like how many times you've been hooked by the nose of your saddle? Yep. Yeah. In in places Enough that you don't want to get. I'm like, hooked. where's the freaking dropper? Post? <laughs> so it's uh that's one of those things where if you haven't ridden on a dropper post, go borrow your buddy's bike. Lance will let you borrow his. Go out there, take it for a rip, and you'll you'll see exactly what we're talking about. And you'll see why they're starting to pop up on gravel bikes too. Yep. So there's a ton of upside to those things. And they're not terribly expensive. They're not. There's a weight penalty with having a dropper post. Yep. It yep. adds a pound to the bike. Sure. Roughly. Uh, but man, um, I, it, it changed my life yeah. when I, when I rode, I rode for like four years mountain biking before I got a dropper. And when I got that dropper, I'm like, Oh my yeah. gosh. And, and going back to that weight penalty. Yeah. You're, you're going to feel that a tiny bit on the climbs, but you know what? The you time that you're going to lose on the climb, you're going to triple make up for on the descent because yeah. you're going to be so much faster and you're going to have so much more fun. And your the, the smile factor in your face too is going to increase. That's right. 
All right, here's the last one. Lance. Number one. Almost spoiled this for us. I wanted us. to spoil it right off the bat. Go for it. What's the one thing that you need for your mountain bike for cross country racing? Transmission. Oh, baby. The SRAM transmission. transmission. Uh, I switched to this when it came out this last year, and I absolutely love it. So the the shifting, the fact that there's no there's no hanger. hanger. Yeah. So it 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 connects directly to your to your rear axle more mm-hmm. or less, and uh, so there's no hanger. So you're just not gonna bend it. When I first heard of transmission coming out, Mike, that def- what are you doing here? There's a purpose behind a derailleur hanger. Uh, other than hanging down a derailleur, and it's a reason. There's a reason why it's separate from the frame, and it's supposed to be the point that gives before your frame breaks. Yeah, you want to protect your frame. Like to have to replace a thirty-five dollar derailleur hanger is a lot less expensive than having to replace a multi-thousand-dollar frame. Yeah, you don't want to break those or have to go pay six or eight hundred dollars to have your local carbon person fix it for you. They came out with the transmission. I'm like. Yeah, how does that work? And then, like, you see one in person, then you're like, ah, oh, I get it. And, and it's how it's all, not and just attached to the frame; it's also attached to the axle. axle. And you can, how much weight can you do? Like, you can stand on the 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 actual rear derailleur. Isn't it like a thousand pounds or something yeah. stupid like that? Yeah, there's like, all these YouTube videos of guys trying to bend it. Bend it. Yeah, and it's not hard. Uh, so not easy. It, there's that. And and we we we've alluded to this a few times. We've all had a few spills and thrills on on the bike. It, you're you're gonna bend that hanger if you don't have a hanger that you have to worry about. And you know that your transmission is gonna be rock solid. Yeah. You're just gonna have a bike that's gonna like. It doesn't matter what you do to it. It's gonna work the way that it's supposed to. It's yeah. gonna shift beautifully. What else are some of the other benefits to the the transmission? Um, the shifting is you can shift under full load. Yeah. So that's the other thing. You can be sprinting and yep. hit the shift button, and it will wait to the optimum, you know, the optimum time and shift into the next gear. Yeah, it's not so. going to shift the exact millisecond that you push that button. It might wait two or three milliseconds. It's super fast and yes. close, but it just wants to make sure that it's in the right combination so that it can shift. And it's when you're in a sprint, that makes a difference. But more so, it's like when you're on a steep climb and you need to go up a gear because you're trying to get around something you don't want to dap you won't have to step out like you yes. can do that still under load and you're going to be fine correct yeah i mean you could do that now but you you kind of run the risk of a big clunky shift or dropping a chain or doing something kind of you know wonky to the bike yeah the the two major factors are shifting under load sure and no no hanger yep so love it it's good downside it's expensive mm-hmm. yeah but i mean it's technology that's pretty sweet. I think that that's yeah. probably one of the bigger advancements in mountain bikes that we've seen in a while. So, and I think that that's a, a great uh, thing that that SRAM's brought to market. And what Shimano got to answer to that? Nothing so far. But I think they might have something up their sleeve. Something might be coming down the the pipe um, from them. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see what they have to have. But um, oh, it, in order to have that though, there is one caveat that you should know. You need to know whether or not it's going to work on your particular frame. You need to have a universal derailleur hanger. Yep set up so that it can actually accept the uh the SRAM transmission so just make sure you do that before you go out and spend all that hard-earned money on a uh, transmission um correct one other thing a bonus thing for for mountain biking um this this one might be a little bit more elusive it might be a little bit of a unicorn but uh i think we know some people um lance has got this one down have a friend who works at a bike shop yes (laughs) (laughs) i was telling jake i was in i was in vegas last week and i needed some cleats i just needed a crappy old pair of cleats for my you know for these for these shoes that i was trying and i had to go pay full price for them at a bike shop because there wasn't a bin full of extra cleats sitting somewhere yeah have a friend in a bike shop that one that's that helps that'd be a good thing it makes it makes everything happier and easier and lovely so gotcha cool anything else that's it gotcha all right well that's our list for the day um hope you guys enjoyed that let's jump into one last thing what you got there lancer 10 days to christmas 10, 10 days to Christmas. That's all I got. How is it already 10 days to Christmas? <laughs> it's 10 days to Christmas. It's the 15th today. We're recording and yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't have anything else coming up. There, um, I'm looking forward to the curse period uh, coming up with those cyclocross races that I'm not going to be able to watch uh, live. And uh, uh, that's that's about all I know. I don't have anything YouTube else. YouTube replays maybe? It probably won't be a replay. It'll probably be more of like a, a highlights reel. 
there there will be replays, but they'll be not at the time. So you're just gonna have time. to like put your fingers in your ears and la 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 la. Yeah, <laughs> right on. That's all, right. all I got. My one last thing is, um, well, two one last things. Uh, the first one is is if uh, you listened to the podcast last week, enjoyed that, you can actually go check that out on YouTube. We recorded that and it's edited yes. and it's up on YouTube. If you want to like see everything go down in person, and there's a lot of. Uh, little tidbits in there that will reference the things we're talking about. It's kind of fun to watch. There's so. extra pictures. There's extra little videos. Sure. Uh, there's, you can see more of the trophy cup unchained that we talked about so yep. much. Yeah. It's, it's a great little video yeah. to go watch. I, I put that together knowing full well, well, eh, nobody's going to watch, sit down and watch a, a video that's an hour and 20 minutes long, but it'd be kind of fun. We'll see what things, uh, people, you know, have to say about it. And the, the goal with that is, um, to actually just kind of plant a seed and see if it's going to be something people will be interested. But I do want to put these up more often, but it won't be the full podcast. It might just be like the the important tidbits that we talk about, but um, stay tuned. We'll probably have some more of these things coming. It's not going to happen today, but it'll be some more of these things coming soon. Uh, the other one last thing is, uh, again, just want to throw out a reminder that um, it's the season where we are raising money for our Bikes for Kids program. Um, you can go to GoFundMe and you can search for Dialed Cycling Team and you can find our Bikes for Kids uh, program that we're running in there, and you can make a donation, even if it's like a, a buck or two. Every little dollar helps, and the more people can chip in, the more bikes and helmets and bike locks we can buy for less fortunate kids would be fantastic. So if you can help out, that'd be super cool. Cool. Appreciate that. Anything else? That's it. Cool. We will be back next week with another one of these. Thanks for listening. Until then, bye for now.